changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark, and it's Friend Friday on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. And today is going to be one of the most interesting podcasts ever because we're going to talk to Donna Goldberg, who is the daughter of Irene Spencer, who was the second of 10 wives of the polygamist Verlin LeBaron. And Irene actually wrote a story for our new book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dreams and the Unexplainable. And unfortunately, she sent us the story and then she died recently. So her daughter, Donna Goldberg, is here today to talk about her mother's miraculous love story that's in our Dreams and the Unexplainable book. And we're also going to talk about her mother's life and how she left this sect of the Mormon Church and Donna's own life as the second of her father's 58 children. So let me first tell you about Donna. Donna Goldberg is a mother of four, and she's an inspirational speaker and writer. And her mom, Irene, was the New York Times bestselling author of Shattered Dreams and Cult Insanity. And we're going to talk about that. Donna's uncle, Ervil LeBaron, was the infamous Mormon prophet. And Donna was the eldest of her mother's 13 children that she had with Verlin LeBaron, who was the brother of Ervil. I mean, these names, I don't know. I don't watch Game of Thrones, but I feel like I'm in that world all of a sudden. Donna left the LeBaron colony at age 18 and moved to L.A., and she actually ended up converting to Christianity and now is married to a Jewish man, hence the last name Goldberg. Donna, I can't wait to talk to you today. Welcome to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. And also, I do want to extend my sympathy to you for the loss of your mother, which I understand because my mother died earlier this year as well. I couldn't be more honored than to be, you know, on here because of my precious mom. She was an amazing, amazing inspiration and woman. And uh, I'm just happy to be here today. Let's start off talking about your mother's amazing story in Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dreams and the Unexplainable. Her story is called It Begins with an H. And um, let's just go through that story together. Do you want to tell the story to our audience? Wow. Well, my mom was very intuitive and she had a lot of different things happen to her over her life that were nothing short of miracles. And when they had a call out for this, for stories about miracles and the unexplainable, I immediately said, Mom, let's submit a couple of your stories. And uh, so back a year ago, September 2016, we submitted the story. And unfortunately, Mom had a lot of health issues. And uh, before we ever heard back from you, she passed away in March. But the story is just unbelievable. My mom was my dad's second wife of 10 women, and she had 14 of his 58 children. And he was killed in a tragic car accident, and um, it was in August of 81. And my mom remained single for quite some time. She was only, I believe, 47 at the time of his death. She was very lonely, and she cried out to God in prayer, just saying, I don't want to be alone. Who is there for me? And she said as clear as a bell, she heard like a voice say, his name begins with an H. And for months and several months, she would go to restaurants, wherever she was at, she would be doodling and thinking of anybody that had a name with an H. Well, she didn't know too many people, but she had Harvey, Will, Hugh, you name it. And um, time continued to go on and she got lonely. And in the meantime, her girlfriend, Jenny, 
had her son was supposed to go to England with her. And she said, Irene, I have an extra ticket. My son can't go. Would you like to go? So mom went over to England and just enjoyed herself quite a bit. One evening they were out listening to romantic music and having dinner. And she said she just had pains of loneliness and just a desire, great desire to have a companion. And they went back to Jenny's home. They were staying with Jenny's mother in England. And uh, she said, as she was getting undressed and going to bed, the last thing she cried out and said, God, who is there for me? I thought of everyone. And in the middle of the night, like maybe two in the morning, she said she had this vivid dream where Hector J. Spencer came to her in a dream. And he just kind of gave a cute little smile and said, you haven't thought of me. And she woke up, she's all the way in England, and she remembered an old friend of the family's that she hadn't thought of in years. He had been gone, but she also knew that his wife and him had divorced, and he'd been divorced for maybe a couple of years, just she had heard this. And But she said she knew that she knew that God had answered her prayer, and she could not wait to get home. So she gets back to America and takes her best friend out to lunch, and her girlfriend's telling her, you need to move on with your life, Irene. I've got a book here. You need to just, you know, you deserve love and you need to move on. And she goes, well, I don't need the book. And I already know I am moving on. And it was just really funny because her girlfriend says, well, who is it? And she goes, honestly, I can't tell you because he doesn't even know. And she goes, Irene, come on, I'm your best friend. So after a bit of, she said, well, if you promise not to tell a soul, because if this doesn't pan out, it would be humiliating. Long story short, she reveals that it's Hector J. Spencer, and her girlfriend just looked at her and said, oh, my gosh. She goes, I I believe you guys would make an excellent couple. I used to be his neighbor years ago, and she proceeded to tell her that his young daughter had just won Miss Preteen Utah, and my mom said, and she encouraged my mom, she goes, that's the very excuse you're going to use to call this man is you're going to congratulate him and see where it goes from there. My mom was never at a loss for words that when that, when she got his phone number and made the call, she said it took a couple of seconds. And finally she's like, yes. And they talked for a couple hours on the phone and before just reminiscing about old times and catching up on each other's lives and hearing about her trip. And, um, just before they hang up, he says, you know, Irene, I, I come to San Diego quite often. And, uh, I was just wondering, would you like to have lunch sometime? And, um, my mom said that would be lovely. The next day, she didn't put this in the, in the story, but the next day he was at, our, at my sister's front door where my mom was staying. And they ended up going out to uh, Danny's, I believe it was. They stayed there till like midnight, singing together, crying together, reminiscing together. Within a, just a few months, they were married. In fact, my couple of my sisters go, mom, don't you think that's way too fast? And mom says, I'm not getting any younger at my age. You got to act fast because if I think too much, most people think and regret that they ever get married. She goes, I'm doing this. Long story short, they were married uh, 25 years. They celebrated 25 years of an amazing marriage. We adored him. Mom's kids loved him. He, I always say, I've never met a man that anyone can hold a candle to like Hector J. Spencer. He was kind. He was compassionate. He was, he was just so opposite. My mom, my mom is like me loud. Well, we're just kind of all full of enthusiasm and talk loud. I don't know if it's because there were so many of us, we never could get it, you know, a word in edgewise, but she um, and him complimented each other and he adored her 25 years later. And the dream was, she told it, 
to us. I mean, everyone knew this before it ever happened and after it happened. And unfortunately, he passed away at 89. And now they're both together. She passed away at 80. And uh, I loved when I opened the book and saw that she was on page 180. It was just like, wow, easy to remember. And I'm just so thrilled. I feel like she's being published from heaven. And I love it. So I'm so happy story. to do that. And I love the story. It's so cool that she heard a voice telling her she was going to marry a man whose name started with H and then it worked out so well. So now I don't know why I had read you were one of 13 children, but then it also says you said you're one of 14 children. So tell me about your mom's marriage. Yes. She was raised like a regular member of the Church of Latter-day Saints oh. in Utah. Yes, I will tell you, she was actually born into a fundamentalist polygamist. Um, it was the fundamentalist that never gave up on um, polygamy. So they were a sect of their own because the Mormons of today, of course, don't like to even mention the word polygamy. And uh, although their prophet started this years ago, and my parents and family members always felt that God was unchangeable. And if he gave the orders through Joseph Smith to live polygamy, that it would, you know, it should remain true today. So when my mother was born, she's the 13th of 31 children. Her father, my, my grandfather had four wives living in the same house in Utah at the time of my mother's birth. And this is all she ever knew. It was programmed into her brain. And just this is what you do to make it to heaven. It was supposed to be a higher, you know, law in they were to have all the babies that one could have as long as a woman a woman was fertile they were expected to have babies and so my mother actually married my father as his second wife and her half sister they both had the same father um married my father first but um my mother had the most children she gave birth to 13 single births but she also adopted a little girl that became her ninth child that was only 12 hours old. And so nobody, you know, the children that were born after her could hardly believe it because she just was a part of our life. And my dad accepted and, and they, you know, she was ours. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately she passed away of breast cancer back in 2000. But um, my mom, she was, she was my mama's girl, little Sandra. Yeah. Wow. So she was the and, second uh, of 10 wives. She had 14 children of her husband's 58 children. And then, how did she come to decide to leave? Oh, he died, right? And then she left? Or did yeah. she leave while he yeah, was still he was alive? Still a, she had left him for two or three years. She had just gotten to a point in her life. Her her actual best friend, Priscilla, who became the 10th wife, decided to marry my father. And it just threw her over the edge. She was her confidant, her best friend, and nothing she could do would stop Priscilla from marrying my dad. So she left and... My aunt, who was not religious and lived in Las Vegas, took her in. She had a little mother-in-law's quarters, two-bedroom little house, and she let my mother move in there with seven of her children. At that point, many of the kids were up in their teens, and I had already left and gotten married. So my mom went back to uh, Las Vegas, um, took a few courses on writing, and just started trying to pursue her own life. And uh, she was gone, but she the younger kids wanted to go back to Mexico so bad. They missed their dad. They missed the family. And my mom actually was crazy, but she was told by two different people that she should go back to Mexico. She was so desperate. My aunt that's not religious took her to a psychic and the psychic that didn't know my mother from Adam said, Irene, 
you need to go back to Mexico within one year, you will know why. And uh, my mom hadn't even told her she was from Mexico. And true to that psychic's word, my dad was killed almost to the day a year later and set my mom free from all of the turmoil and the anguish and the pain. And, uh, and it was after that, but I was actually the first one to leave my, um, I left at 18 uh, and it wasn't hard to leave. I was so fed up with the poverty, the, there was no limit to the amount of wives a man could have. If, you know, at their whim, they could take in another woman. And, and our poverty got deeper. It, my mom never owned a checking account. She, you know, her social, sexual, spiritual, every kind of need was unfulfilled. And my dad ended up marrying two of my best friends. I drew up with these girls. They were my slumber party girls, um, best friends. One at, the, I say, ridiculous young age of 15 but that was common for them to do. My dad married my 15-year-old girlfriend, Susan, and then my 19-year-old friend, Lily. And when I say friends, they were my BFFs. And so you can only imagine how weird that was. All of a sudden, they're sleeping with my dad. And Lily ended up having six children with my father. And Susan had uh, five. She eventually left because, you know, there was no way he could make any of them happy. It was just, he was always putting out fires. He was gone a lot. He lived in the he was in the States most of the time working as a painter in Las Vegas, trying to just put food in our mouth. He would come home sometimes after two or three months of all these lonely women being left, just having baby and pregnant half most of the time. He'd come home with truckloads of hand-me-down clothes, you know, just old toys from the secondhand stores. And we thought it was Christmas. So for most of my life, I would say 85% of my life was with no running water, no electricity, uh, no inside toilets, nothing. In fact, I just returned yesterday. I went down to Mexico where my family, a lot of them still reside there. And yes, polygamy is still uh, practiced there, but it's very much um, on the lowdown. Most of the children, their parents have been and how it hasn't worked. So there's not that many practicing polygamy today. But I went back and my birthday was October 6th. So I was reminiscing and telling my siblings there was 24 of them there from the different wives and they threw me a nice um steak out and everybody had like a potluck and it was just really sweet it was the the last time i celebrated my birthday in mexico with my polygamous family was when i was seven years old wow so i have a question for you in that town i'm reading the wikipedia about your mother is this is all the stuff true that's in wikipedia a hundred percent you couldn't even make it up. You okay, so, even so let up, me I just promise. go over this part. All right, so your dad was Verlin. Then who was Erville? Erville was my dad's brother. All and right, so you had Erville and Verlin, who were brothers. And then who was Rulon? Rulon was my, my mother's mother's brother. So it was her uncle. And Erville eventually had almost 30 of our family members and friends murdered, including his own brother, Joel, who was our prophet at the time, and also Roland Allred, who was a huge leader of a polygamous sect in Utah. And he was coined the Mormon Manson back in the 70s and 80s. And because my dad, Berlin, was on Erville, his brother's death list, my dad moved about five or six of his wives to Nicaragua, including my mother and the kids. I actually went with them when they went down. There was 12 of my mother's children in the back of a pickup with every 
thing we owned, which wasn't much. She just took a few kettles to cook in and blankets and, um, and all the kids. And we traveled and lived in Nicaragua, uh, washed in the rivers, lived on dirt floors. I honestly had already met a man in LA and, uh, he got a hold of me and asked me from Nicaragua over the phone. I called him to wish him a happy birthday back on February 11th of 1975. And the first words out of his mouth is, will you marry me, Donna? I had gone out with him a few times and he had three little boys. And, and like I joke now, I said, I would have married anyone at that point just to get the heck out of Nicaragua. Clearly, with such poverty. Yeah, it says, it says on the, it was horrible. Yeah, it says on the Wikipedia, you, you guys lived in huts without electricity or yeah. indoor plumbing. You had ticks and you had intestinal worms. Now, I just want to get this straight. This Irville, who was this murderer, yeah. he killed Rulon yeah. just because yeah. he knew Verlan would go to the funeral. And then Irville was planning to kill Verlan, your father. 100% true. My dad actually had to testify and helped land his brother in prison. And he ended up ultimately dying a few days um, I think two days after my father was killed in an accident, he died in prison. But it's true, every word of it. We lived in such uh, fear. We hid in goat corrals. I mean, my mom wrote about that in Colton's Sanity. And then, um, but no, you couldn't even make it up. We lived in terror. They came to Mexico and bombed our houses with Molotov cocktail bombs that, hand, you know, made, shot up our home. Uh, killed people. Irville didn't do anything himself. He was just the mastermind behind it. And he ordered all of his members to do this. And I have actually first four first cousins, Irville's own children that are serving life sentences today. And it's so unfortunate because they're just victims of circumstances. They were brainwashed by their father in order to do this. And a lot of his children have they just lived really sad life. Many of them, several of them, I should say, committed suicide, couldn't handle it. And a lot of them are just victims of circumstance. I wish there's a couple, at least two of them that I know today that are in full-time uh, prison sentences, and they are uh, definitely born again Christians. And it's just so sad. It's just so sad. It's just, you can't even imagine all that's gone on all these years because of religion and because of somebody that was I don't know, bipolar, schizophrenic, something. And he brainwashed these people to follow him blindly. So it's amazing to me that you and your mom sent in this sweet love story that we published in Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dreams and the Unexplainable. Oh. But you have this unbelievable Game of Thrones kind of mafioso wife in the background. Now, has anybody come to the family to make a movie about this? Honestly, that's my ultimate dream. I can tell you the truth. That's my ultimate dream. Mom uh, left me power of attorney. And we've, it's, to me, it would be a dream because there's never been a movie made about it. There's a lot of TV programs and this, that, and the other. But mom's story is so beautiful and it has such a beautiful ending. I think it would make an amazing movie. And uh, that's my ultimate prayer. Like I said, uh, it's worthy of that. And God has been good. And today, I can, I'm... You know, most of mom's kids have become born again Christians. And uh, I only have, at one time, my mom had six of her own children involved in polygamy. Today, she just has two of them. And um, she has, when, at the time of her death in March, she had a hundred, she has 129 grandchildren. And this is just from her own 13 children and over 140 great grandchildren that are growing they, you know, all the time if someone's pregnant. So, 
Wow. She definitely left a beautiful posterity, and a lot of her grandchildren and kids have come to know the Lord and um, have chosen to live a different lifestyle. But I was actually the first one to leave, and I think that kind of helped because uh, give them permission to at least look in outside the box because they totally adored me as their biggest sister. And I had today, they tell me I'm like the matriarch of the family and they love me, but I just always tried to be there for them and uh, just be there. I always liked the saying that mother Teresa said, go out every day and preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. And I'm not one to ever argue or even to tell you the truth. I just had 20 five biological sisters show up at my house. We planned it for four months. And on August 24th through the 28th, I had them fly in from 10 different states in, in the U.S. and three different states in Mexico. And that's the only second time in our lives we've all been together. And they all came here to my home. And I, the only thing I said is no, you know, religion and politics are off. We're here to bond and love each other. And we had the most phenomenal time. I can tell you from the bottom of my heart, there was no drama whatsoever. Girls were weeping, sharing their lives, their kids. Uh, just, it was just the most beautiful thing that you could ever see. I just had a 15 by uh, 48 picture uh, canvas made with all of us in the picture. And there's That's 26 great. of us alive today. That's wonderful, Donna. Unfortunately, I have to I have to close down this interview now because I have another one starting in two minutes. But I want to thank you so much for joining us today. It was wonderful having you. And I want to thank everybody for listening to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast today. You can go to our website, chickensoup.com, to learn more about the book that Irene Spencer's story appeared in, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dreams and the Unexplainable. And come back Monday for a look at our new book about stepping outside your comfort zone, which is definitely something that Donna has done. I'll be recording the podcast on the floor of the National Association of Broadcasters Convention, which is itself a way of stepping outside my own comfort zone. So Donna, thank you so much. My privilege and honor. Thank you so much. 